uh, in particular, we, we said, you know, what, what is the purpose of the church? Well, why does the church really exist? What, what is it supposed to do? And, and, and so as we studied the scriptures, we discovered there's really two ways to answer that question, right? You can talk about the five biblical purposes of the church, or you can talk about the three biblical ministries of the church. And so we began talking about the five biblical purposes of the church, and, and we turned to two really great passages of scripture, right? The great commandment and the great commission. And so this is what the great commandment says. Uh, Jesus is asked by a Pharisee, uh, you know, teacher, what, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And he answers, he says, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, uh, and with, with all your soul, uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. It says, upon these two commandments, you can hang all of the law of the Old Testament. So, uh, so we, we begin there, and from that, we get the first two purposes from the church. The first would be worship, right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And that's the primary purpose of the church. We are here to worship God and, and to love Him with all that we have. And he says the second greatest uh, commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and that's really the second purpose of the church. Uh, it's service, right? It, it, it's service. Now, I, I want to encourage you, if, if you're writing as fast as you can, these notes are available and will be available online on our website. You can click on the notes section and download them all, and it saves you a whole lot of uh, carpal tunnel. So, uh, anyway, that's the second purpose of the church. Now, uh, beyond that, uh, we looked at, at the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission, Matthew uh, chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And here's the final three uh, purposes uh, for the church, right? Um, The third one, evangelism. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. This, this is this is our great commission, friends. We're to be going uh, to every place that there's darkness and bringing the light of Jesus, right? That's a big deal. Uh, the fourth purpose, fellowship. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Think about it this way. Baptism brings belonging. Baptism brings belonging. When someone's baptized, they become a member of the church. And, and, and then when, once you're a member, you belong to this great body of Christ. And, and, and you know, we, we joke because we've all heard the commercials that membership has its privileges. But it really, really does. And so we're talking about a deep fellowship where you share in life the joys and the sorrows, everything together, and you're never alone. And, and, and that's one of the purposes of the church. And then finally, uh, that fifth purpose of the church, discipleship. Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And that's a whole lot there. And so, so we, we looked at that. We also talked about the three great ministries of the church. That first ministry, uh, of course, is, is, is the ministry to God. And I think we forget that sometimes. We gather here and we kind of think it's about us. No, friends, our, our first great ministry is to God. That, that we gather here to, to worship His holy name because He is worthy of worship and praise. And we talked about the seraphs. And every time you see them, what are they doing? They're flying around constantly praising God. Isn't that what Christians should be doing? Shouldn't we just be flying around this world constantly praising God? Shouldn't that be what we're known for? It's our ministry to God. Second, the second great ministry of the church is its ministry to its members. And, and we looked at Ephesians 4 and we talked about the fact that church is, is meant to, to build its members up into maturity in Christ. And finally, we talked about the church's ministry to the world. That it has a ministry to the world that must both be in word, in evangelism, and in deed, in service, and in ministry. And so we talked about those things a few weeks ago. Now, in addition to that, in addition to that, we talked about the fact that the church is a body, right? 
Ephesians chapter 4. And we said that the church is a body, and, and as such, that that body was meant for maturity. Remember that one of the primary purposes of the church is to prepare God's people for works of service so that they might build, be built up into maturity, into wholeness. And then finally, we talked about Ephesians chapter 6. We just sang about it, Ephesians six ten through 18. And we talked about the armor of God and the fact that the, the, the church is called to be an army. And we said, you know what, uh, our battle is largely invisible, but that doesn't mean that our enemy isn't real. In fact, our enemy is very real. His name is Satan, and the Bible says that he is a liar and a thief, and that he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's walking about like a, a, a roaring lion. He, he's prowling about, just waiting to consume. And so we talked about the fact we, we need to get, so part of the purpose of the church then is, is to get Christians dressed and ready for that kind of, to battle, to help you fight. And, and there's one aspect that we didn't talk about though when we talked about the army and I want to bring that home with you this morning. If we get completely dressed, if we have the sword and if we have our helmet and if we have a shield, once we're dressed, do we just run out into the battlefield like a banshee screaming, ah! Byron says, yes, yes we do. Is that how you're going to win the battle? On your own and by yourself? Of course not. If you're part of an army, there's always strategy involved. And, and when we begin to put all those things together this morning, it brings us to our question. If the church is meant to build up the saints to maturity, and if it's an army and there should be some strategy, here, here's our question this morning. Do we have a strategy for facilitating that kind of spiritual growth? Do we have a strategy for facilitating that kind of spiritual growth? And if we do, what, what is our strategy? And so I want you to know that, that we do. And, uh, and here it, it, it's pretty basic. Here our strategy is our vision. Our vision is our mission. Our mission is our process and our process is our strategy. They're all the same thing. So what we're going to show you this morning, you don't have to memorize five different statements, and sometimes you do that. You log on to a church's website, and there's their vision statement, but then their mission statement is different. Their discipleship process is complete. I'm a simple person, friends. I can't even keep up with all that. So, so this morning, we're going to share with you our vision, which is our mission, which is our strategy, which is our process. And, and we want you to see it. It's really five things, and I want to show you how those five things line up with what the Bible uh, says. We're going to start here with the word explore. With the word explore. Let's see if we can do this. Now, when we talk about explore, uh, we're talking about the church's purpose, fulfilling the purpose of evangelism and ministry to the world. Okay, so we've been talking about that. Talking about evangelism. George Barna says, uh, when it comes to discipleship, that, that, uh, that, that it's this. And let me, let me, uh, I skipped ahead a little bit. Let me share this with you. This, this, this is on your, on your sheet. He says, discipleship is the intentional training of people who voluntarily submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and who want to become imitators of Christ in every thought, in every word, in every deed. And I like that definition because it speaks to the end result. Somebody says, Pastor, why are we doing this? Why do we need this board? And, and why, why are you lining this out for us? Because we want to be very intentional. And the end result, friends, is somebody that loves God with everything that they are and they serve Him with everything that they have. 
Okay, You might call that a zealous person for God. And that's the end result. The goal of every church should be to create zealous people that love Jesus with everything that they are and serve Him with everything that they have. And friends, the problem with that is that doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't just happen accidentally, right? How many of you, uh, well, you all know Christians. Does every Christian that you know love God with everything that they are and serve Him with everything that they have? I think the answer surely is no. So in his book, Growing True Disciples, Barna goes on and he says, listen, discipleship doesn't happen simply because a church exists. It doesn't. He says, rather, it occurs where there's a strategic thrust to facilitate spiritual maturity. And he goes on to talk about kind of the lack of strategy in the church today. And again, we're going to address some of that. And here's how we address it. We begin here with Explore. It's the purpose of evangelism. It's our ministry to, to the world. And friends, this is Matthew 28, uh, 19. Go and make disciples. Uh, the actual translation, the better translation is, as you're going, make disciples, right? As you're going, I want you to think about this. We learned this when we studied the book of Acts a year ago, that God puts people in your path on purpose. That's one of the great truths of life, that God puts people in your path on purpose. And so making disciples is not that difficult. As we're going about life, God says make disciples. And here's the most simplistic form of it. Uh, Think of it as this, invitation. Invitation, right? Constantly we rub elbows with people from every walk of life. And invitation is the simplest form of evangelism. And it takes zero training. You don't have to memorize 20 uh, scriptures to invite somebody into the presence of God. You don't have to take a course to invite somebody into the presence of God. As you're going about life, I wrote down some things that we do in Elgin. As you're going about life, you go to work. You, you go to school. You're, you're at the sideline on the soccer game or, or the baseball field. You're at tuck and tumble. You're at HEB. You're at the playground. As you go about life, you invite people. And how does that work, Pastor? You ask a question. Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You got any plans on Sunday? Is there a church that you regularly attend? And then you take it from there. And if they don't have a place that they regularly attend, you invite them to come here and to explore God. Okay? This this is the most simplistic form of of evangelism. This is Andrew, and we're going to talk about this next week, by the way, when we talk about your role in this process. But this is what Andrew did. Andrew didn't preach any great sermons that we know of. We, we, We don't know that he memorized a lot of Scripture. But one thing he constantly did, he always brought people into the presence of Jesus. And you say, well, well, what is that? How do we do that in church? Well, Well, the Bible promises when two or more gather, he's also here. And so when we invite people, we're literally bringing them into the presence of Jesus. And and, and so I want you to understand this, guys. We've got to do this. This is a crucial first step. And you might even say it this way. We must create a culture of invitation. When I mean a culture, I mean it's got to become part of our spiritual DNA here in this church that every week, everyone is inviting people to join them in church. Do you see it? It's got to be a part of our spiritual DNA. That's the first step. That's the first step, okay? It, it, it's explore. It's explore. Here's, here's the second. Here's the second. And I'll say this as we move on. Somebody says, Pastor, and this has happened. Pastor, how can I serve the church? Well, listen, there's a lot of places you can serve in church, but I'm going to be honest. This is the most crucial. And I'm going to tell you why. As you see this process for discipleship unfold, you'll see that we've got to feed people into that process. So this is this is the first way you can serve our church, okay? By inviting people. All right. Here's the second thing that we do when it comes to discipleship. It's believe, believe. And for us guys, this fulfills 
the purpose of worship, okay, and our ministry to God. The purpose of worship and our ministry to to God. And and this is all about making the worship of God a priority in our lives. And guys, we know that worship is more than what we do here, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices unto God. That that's our spiritual act of worship. But that doesn't mean that what we do here is unimportant. And in fact, look at this with me. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. (coughs) Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, he says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting as some are in the habit of doing. Then then look at Colossians 3.16. Look at what Paul writes. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts, to God. And, and, and so, um, friends, worship is important. And so we've changed really a lot of uh, what we do here when it comes to worship. And, and what we've done is we made sure that everything that we do from the time that we walk through the doors to the time that we leave the doors, that its focus is God. And, and that the only one that we're lifting up really is, is Jesus. And, and, and maybe that upsets some people. Listen, I, I love mothers and I love fathers and I love graduates and I love veterans and I love our, our country. But we're not here to lift those things up because those things don't save. You see, moms and dads and, 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 and veterans and graduates and, and our country, those things don't save you from the sin problem uh, that's plaguing our world and plaguing our people. The only thing that saves from sin is Jesus Christ. And so our one goal here in this place in worship is to lift up and exalt Jesus. And here's why. Listen to what Jesus says. John 12, 32. He says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So follow me here. So we're inviting people here so that they can explore God. And as they explore God and Jesus is lifted up, he draws them unto himself that they might believe in God. And we're beginning to walk through a process and it brings us to the third step or the third phase. And it's belong. It's belong. Once somebody believes in Christ, of course we want them to be baptized and and to become a part of the family. But this is more than that. This fulfills the purpose of the church when we talk about fellowship. And it has to do with our ministry to, to members. Okay, belief leads to baptism, baptism to membership, membership to a sense of belonging. And this is all about a connection. Remember the testimony of the early church in Acts chapter two. Let's read it together. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And it goes on in verse 44 and it says, and all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Friends, they were devoted to God They were devoted to one another and they were together. And the church added to its number daily. And this is what we believe. We believe that spiritual maturity happens best not in isolation, but in relation. Spiritual maturity happens best not in isolation, but in relation with other believers. And and so this is what we ask of every member, of every person that's seeking spiritual maturity. We're going to ask you to be a part of a small group. Now, now you say, well, what is a small group? Small group is less than this amount of people is what it is. Okay, a small, small group is, you know, we have some small groups that are 30 and, and that's okay. Uh, that's a little big, but that's okay. It's less than 100. It's a smaller group of people so that you can know the people around you so that you can be connected with them. You can have a connection. You don't feel like you're alone. 
Okay? And you can do life together with them. And we have two types, and we just ask that you be a part of one. Now, you can do both. The first type is traditional. It's Sunday school. We've got classes that are going to start here in just a few minutes. If I be quiet, they're going to happen. We want you to be a part of a Sunday school class. Or the other option is that you be a part of a life group. They meet in homes all throughout Elgin. Okay? Got about 120, 125 people involved in those already. And we want you to be a part of that too. It's doing life together. It's the purpose of fellowship. And it's what we were created for, which brings us to the fourth step. To the fourth step. I want you to notice these these little symbols here. You might notice that this cross has gotten a lot bigger that symbolizes that somebody's becoming more and more like Christ as they, they walk through that process. And this, process, this step become has to do with uh, the, the purpose of discipleship and the ministry of the church to its members. Ministry to its members. And, and, and uh, guys, I want to I be honest with you. Some of this happens uh, naturally and corporately as you come to church. Okay, uh, some spiritual maturity happens corporately as, as we're together. If you come to church on a regular basis and you sing great hymns of faith, you're going to learn doctrine. If you come to church on a regular basis and you don't sleep through the sermon, you're going to learn some things about God, right? That's, that's probably going to happen. If you go to Sunday school and, and you're there, you're going to learn some things about God. Now, that's what I, w- I would call corporate discipleship. Here's the problem in our world today. I fear that for many Christians, corporate discipleship is where it stops. Corporate discipleship is where it stops. They're not taking the individual step of discipleship. And when we talk about becoming more like Christ, we're talking about an individual commitment to follow Jesus. Friends, this is what Jesus said. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And that's about individual commitment to follow Christ and be more like Christ. And so when we talk about becoming like Christ, that's what we're talking. We're talking about an individual desire, pursuit of Jesus. And, and, and we're talking about something intentional. So here's our role. Remember, our role as a church is to facilitate that for you. Word facilitate, it means help. We are here to help you pursue Him. We are here to help you pursue Him. And so what we're going to do for you is, is we put together what we call a spiritual growth assessment. Uh, it's 30 questions. It'll take you about 15 minutes. You're going to walk through that assessment. And we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks. And, and, and it's going to help you identify areas uh, for potential growth in your life with Jesus. And when that's done, um, we're going to give you a plan, a personal plan for the year that you can then take up and take ownership of. And it gives you suggestions on how you can grow And then we're going to encourage you along the way. But hear me, ultimately, this is about you choosing to follow. This is about you wanting to become more and more like Him. But we're going to help you. We're going to give you the tools. We're going to take you to the water. But eventually, you're going to have to drink. Okay? And that that brings us just to our final final phase. I call this beyond. Beyond, and, and when I think about beyond, uh, guys, I think about somebody that literally is brimming over with love for God to the point that they can't contain it anymore, right? They just, they can't keep Jesus to themselves anymore. And this fulfills the purpose of service in the church. And again, this is our ministry to the world. Uh, and, and this one is through deed. 
This one is through deed. It's our ministry to the world through deed. And, you know, last week we looked at Philippians 2 and we said, we've got to have the mind of Christ. That means that we've got to have the same heartbeat as Jesus. We've got to be on the same operating system, right? And we said, well, who was, what, is, what was he about? And he loved God and he loved people and, and he gave his life in service. And we said, you know what? We've got to have that same mindset. We've got to love God and we've got to love people and we've got to be committed to, to serving people. And the good news, guys, is that God's equipped you for that kind of life. God's given you all the tools that you need to be a servant. He's given you these great spiritual gifts in order to serve. And one of the ways that you do that is through evangelism, of course. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive power to be a witness. It's not that hard to invite, lead in the process. But even beyond that, God has given you special gifts and abilities that you're uniquely designed and created to serve His church. And what we're going to do again is we're going to help you discover those gifts. And then we're going to talk with you about them. We're going to talk with you about how you can serve within the church and all the ministries, but we're also going to talk about how you can uh, serve this process outside the walls of the church. And you say, Pastor, what? Well, if we're all about discipleship, and, and, and discipleship begins by, by bringing people into the presence of God, that they, they, they can explore God on their own, that they've come to belief in Him, that they'll belong, that they'll, they'll become, they'll move beyond, then, then maybe some of those gifts we're going to use for the kingdom of God outside the walls of the church. And again, we're going to talk about those. And so focus with me here for a second. We're almost done. If, if somebody on a regular basis is focused on sharing God's love with people and bringing them into His presence on a regular basis. If somebody is is loving God with everything that they are and with everything that they have and they're living to worship God. If if somebody is committed to fellow members and seeing them grow in the Lord. If if somebody is regularly um, denying themselves, taking up their cross daily and following Jesus. and, and, And if they are using the gifts that God has given them to serve the church with all that they have. There's a word for that kind of person. When you study scripture, we call those people disciples. We call those people disciples. Friends, this is our strategy for for helping facilitate spiritual maturity in the lives of our members. I want you to stay tuned next week. We're going to talk about your role in this and and, and where you fit in. And we'll fill in the other side of this board. and, And it's going to be a great thing. But before we close, I'm going to give you three last things and we'll be done. Every week we have application, and I didn't know if I could fit it in this week, but I think we're going we're gonna to manage three things and we'll be done. Ready? Number one, please take this home and study it. This isn't haphazard. Guys, I, I, I wish I could tell you that we've, we'd spend a few weeks on this. Well, we spent a few weeks on this. I wish I could tell you we'd spent a couple months on this. The, the truth is this is a process that God has been forming and, and fashioning over the course of the last three and a half years. It's not something that was haphazardly put together. A lot of prayer, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort has gone into this. And I want to encourage you, please study it. Okay. Number two, as you study it, I want you to ask yourself this question. Where am I in the process? Where are you in the process? Are, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you inviting people to church regularly? Some of you, step one is not happening. So, am I, am I attending worship regularly? Am I, am I here? Am I committed to worship? Some of you, that's not happening. Do I belong to a small group? Am I doing life with other people? For some of you, that's not happening. Right? 
Am I personally following after Jesus? For some of us, that's not... Am I serving? You need to pray, where am I in that process? And you may find that you need work in multiple areas, and that's okay, because we're here to help you. That's the goal. That's the goal, okay? And here's the the, the last thing I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to get ready to take the next step. Now, I'm not going to call you to take that next step right now. I'm not going to call you to take that next step next week even. But I am going to call you to get ready for it because it's coming. It's coming. Pretty soon you're going to have every tool that we possess. It's going to be in your possession. And then ultimately it's going to be up to you to figure out what's going on in your spiritual walk with the Lord and to take the next step. And we're going to help you do that, okay? Friends, would you all pray with me?